Good morning, everybody. So um, at the beginning of this year, when we met as elders to seek God for guidance for the coming year, um, one of the things that he was leading us in was to really to draw near to him, to seek him and to know him better. And basically that as we draw near to him and know him better, um, that he was going to, he's going to uh, make us more like him. We become more like him. He empowers us and, and uh, equips us to do those things that he wants to do through us. And so we've been, we're coming probably close to the end to the series that we've been doing basically all year about the, the uh, attributes of God. And uh, today uh, we're going to look at how God is righteous. And I think more than anything, you know, as we draw near to God, it's he that makes us righteous. It's he that works that in us, we're going to see, as, as hopefully you already know. Um, so we'll start out with a question, what does it mean to be righteous? Um, I looked it up online in the dictionary. It says, characterized by uprightness or morality, morally right or justifiable. Um, so to be upright, to be moral, to, to be justified. And uh, there's a Chinese character for righteousness, yi. And uh, I'm going to say something more about that later. But that brings another question. Who determines what is right? Because we, are, we all know that it's very easy and people do this. We justify ourselves. We justify all kinds of things, right? On our own and say that they're right uh, when they're not. You know, uh, this summer is most popular movie is a superhero movie, um, The Avengers uh, Infinity War. And... Uh, in that movie, the villain, this guy Thanos, he, uh, he has uh, a goal. He's trying to do what evidently in his mind is the right thing, and that is uh, save the universe uh, from overpopulation and that, that everybody will become extinct because of overpopulation. And so by any means possible, he's trying to gather power to be able to save the universe. Did I mention that his idea of saving the universe is that he can snap his fingers and half of life in the universe will cease to exist? So he's going to euthanize, but he thinks that is right. Uh, you know, we, we justify all kinds of things according to what we think. Um, and have you noticed that in our modern world? Uh, many people don't believe in absolute truth anymore. Anybody watch The Truth Project? Um, I know that a lot of families went through that. Um, you know, people make up, people go by what, what they want to be right. And often what the result is, is that might makes right. In other words, uh, whoever has the most power, whatever is the most powerful, determines what is right. 
seems like today, have you noticed, seems like good and bad, bad and good have flip-flopped in a lot of cases. Yesterday morning I was listening to some music on YouTube and a commercial came on. It was promoting abortion rights and talking about how morally right it is to have the right to abort your baby. You know, it's just flip-flopped, hasn't it? And, uh, you know, whoever can control popular opinion by means of money, force, influence, or education can define what is upright and moral, kind of like in the movie. Um, but uh, we believe that God is righteous and that he is the one who determines what is right and what is wrong. Amen? And, uh, you know, although God is almighty, he's got the might, he doesn't use that attribute of himself to cause his mere whims to be considered right. Uh, I would suggest that the attribute of God that determines righteousness is that God is love. Um, his motive is always love. His heart is always right. What comes from his heart through his love is always right. First John 4, 7, and 8. Some of you can sing this to me, right? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. That's who he is. 1 John 4.16 later on says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. That's the key. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So God is righteous because God is love. Now, Jesus himself boiled down all righteousness to loving God and loving other people. In uh, Matthew 22, starting at verse 35, it tells this. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, it's important to love yourself, right? Uh, but don't love yourself more than everybody else. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In other words, all of righteousness comes down to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love other people as much as you love yourself. And that's assuming you do love yourself. So God gave the law to Moses and Israel in the Old Testament to show them the right way to live. And Israel's obedience to it was the basis of God's covenant with them as his people. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5 says this, The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. You know, Warren's prophecy this morning 
said God's heart is to bless us, to heap blessing on blessing on blessing on us. And, and that comes through righteousness. Uh, God promises blessings for those who walk righteously with God. And, uh, and verse 25 says this, And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Now, I don't know about you. I, that's not good news. That is a, that's a depressing verse, isn't it? Because who can live up to it? Who can live up to that? You know, um, it sounds simple, but it's not good news because no one has ever kept his law. If we fail at one point, we fail. And uh, none of us love God and others perfectly. Outside of Jesus, we can't. Even when we think we do righteous acts, they aren't. Because they flow out of corrupt hearts with wrong motives. So what motive? Sometimes we do good things, but the motive is selfishness. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's fear. Those are corrupt motives. And um, remember what it says. Uh, Jesus, I think, said, uh, man looks at the outside appearance, but God looks at the heart. And that's true about the things we do, about our righteousness. He looks, he looks at what, where it's coming from, what the motives are. And often, you know, without him, without his love, if it's not based on his love, it's not righteous. It's not coming from a right motive. And uh, <clears throat> Isaiah 64, 6 tells the truth about this bad news. And that is, it says, we've all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Um, you know, it's like, it's like a bloody rag. Or, you know, some kind of clothes that have been polluted we all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away in other words we are powerless we are powerless um, against against that corruptness that we were born with um, to do anything about it now so obviously Israel failed to keep their covenant with their righteous God and it resulted in judgment. And uh, eventually God sent the Babylonians to destroy Jerusalem and destroy his temple and uh, take carry them all away. And his judgment was righteous. If you look up righteous God, in, if you search for that in the Bible, you'll find often that it's connected to his judgments are righteous. That's what... That's what the angels say in the book of Revelation. You're righteous. Your judgments are just and righteous, God. Um, we might say, but I thought God was love. Isn't that love? And, well, think about this. Failure to judge sin, is that loving? Uh, if, you know, if a crime is committed, uh, think about some of the heinous crimes we commit uh, that w not we commit, but that we read about in the news, 
if that com comes before the judge and the judge dismisses the murderer, is that just? Ju just? Is that loving toward the one, toward the family of the one who was murdered? You know what I'm saying? Uh, not having justice is not love. Um, but God is loving and he is just. Um, that was the old covenant and it, and it didn't work out. I don't think that surprised God. Um, God all along was planning a new covenant. And uh, in the book of Romans, Paul explains the new covenant and the concept of the righteousness of God. And so we're going to look at Romans 3, starting at verse 9. And he says, you know, he, he's been talking about Jews and Gentiles, righteousness and unrighteousness. And he says, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? In other words, we Jews, do we have any advantage over the sinful Gentiles? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that the Jews and the Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. In other words, we are not righteous. We are not good. We can't be righteous on our own. doesn't matter what kind of person you are, where you came from, who your parents were, or anything. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Is that clear? <laughs> I think he said in as many ways as he can that none of us are righteous. Verse 13. Their throats are open graves. These are, these are quotes from different places in Scripture that Paul's quoting. See which ones apply to you. That's what we need to do, right? Uh, as we listen to his word, we need to let it convict us. How does it apply to our lives? So Paul's listing these things. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's what people are like without Jesus. That's what we are like without Jesus. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. In other words, if, if we are guilty, we have no excuses. We can't make an excuse. We have no arguments. It's wrong to argue. If we are guilty, we need to submit ourselves to God to go before the judge and plead guilty, right? To humble ourselves. This is not where it ends, by the way. Don't get too depressed here. It's going to get better. Um, if I can figure out what verse I was on. Verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight 
by the works of the law. Do you see it? It's in God's sight. It's not in our sight. We justify ourselves all the time, we said, right? But it's not our sight. It's God's sight, and that's the thing. We don't understand how holy and righteous God is. We don't know, understand what it means to be love. And um, because we compare ourselves to what we see around us and who we see around us, and sometimes we can look favorably, but in God's sight, we cannot be declared righteous because of our behavior and attitudes. Rather, here's the turning point, through the law we become conscious of our sin. So, is there a purpose for the law? Was it just a waste of time that God gave the law? No, absolutely not. The law is like a mirror. Okay, anybody that studied Luther's catechism, what are the three purposes of the law? It's a mirror. It's a, it's a, a ruler to show the right, the right way. And it's a curb to, um, to keep, to limit the damage of sin in the world. Like a curb keeps cars on the road so they don't destroy everything off the road. Um, but the, I think the biggest purpose of the law is the mirror. It shows us what we are really like in God's sight. It's God's holy mirror. Um, its purpose is not that you will save yourself by obeying the law. That's not the purpose. The purpose of the law is to show us that we need help. You know, you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, oh boy, I need to do something. <laughs> I need to come. Well, I don't worry about my hair, but some of you do. Um, but we look in the mirror to see where we need help, right? See what we're looking at, you know? So you can't look, you know, sometimes we look in the mirror, boy, I look really good, don't I? <laughs> Just so. But you can't do that with the mirror of God, God's law. You can't honestly do that. You're de we, are, we are all deceiving ourselves. Uh, so using the law as say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be righteous by obeying the law in my own strength, uh, that's hypocrisy and it's, it's not the right use of the law. The purpose of the law is to drive us to Christ, to show us, I need help, I need a savior. Verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. You see, it says apart from the law, but God has made his righteousness known to which the law and the prophets testify. In other words, this is not just New Testament. God has been telling us this from the beginning in the Old Testament that there is a way that he was going to make us righteous. He was not caught without a plan when, ma when humanity sinned and fell. He knew before he made us what he would do. Verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Do you see what's happening there? God is sharing his righteousness with us. It's a gift, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. God presented. It's a present. He presented his righteousness 
And how does that righteousness come once again? Love. Because what is a sacrifice? You know, one definition of love, love is just not a happy feeling, right? Love is giving. And love is sacrifice. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's what it's talking about here. It is through God's love that righteousness comes from, to us. In fact, God's love is his righteousness. It demonstrates his righteousness. It's the working out of God's righteousness and ultimately through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. To be received by faith. How do we become righteous? Receive the gift. How do you receive the gift? It's by faith. By believing him, who he is, what he's done for us, what he wants to do with us and in us and for us. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. How did he demonstrate his righteousness, does it say? He gave Jesus to die on the cross. That Jesus died on the cross. This is how God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit demonstrates his righteousness through an act of ultimate sacrifice and love for us, his children. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He said, wait a minute, we saw that picture of the temple burning in Jerusalem in 597 BC or whatever. That is not the ultimate punishment of sin. The wages of sin is death. And not just to die physically, but, but to be in hell in burning torment forever. It was not God's plan for our lives. It said God designed hell for the devil and his angels, not for human beings. But that's the wages of sin um, because he gave us a choice and people have chosen that. Um, but God, it says, in his forbearance, left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Sometimes we think, when, when we see justice delayed, we get upset with God. God, why do you let these sinful people get away with what they do? <laughs> and God is saying, uh, everybody's in that boat, so are you, so am I. God is being patient. It says, uh, you know, people who come and say, uh, where is this promise of his coming? God is being patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish in hell. And so he gives opportunity for us to receive his righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ, to repent. Um, verse 26. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So human nature is to justify ourselves, right? That's what we try to do. That's what we do when we sin. Without, without Christ, we try to justify ourselves, make excuses, blame somebody else, come up with some kind of reason to say that what we're doing is right, it's not wrong. Um, but no. He is the one who justifies. And there's only one way to be justified, 
and that is that Jesus took the punishment. How can he be just and justify? Can he say, it's okay, I forgive you. I'm a good grandpa who's easygoing and doesn't care about sin, so, so I'll just forgive you. No. He cannot ignore sin. He's just. He would not be loving and righteous if he did. Just ask people who have been sinned against. It is not fun to be sinned against. And if somebody says it doesn't matter, that's, a, that's, a, that's twisting the dagger, right? God doesn't do that. He's a just judge. He is righteous. He is loving. But he did justify, and he still was just. How did he do that? Jesus. Jesus took the punishment in our stead. That's why Jesus is the only way to salvation. Jesus is the only way to righteousness. Because the just God punished him, took the punishment himself. God the Father punished the Son, Jesus, who was completely righteous on his own for our sins. So God, God made himself, he made himself who knew no, he who knew no sin made himself sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. At the cross, he made a trade. I will take your sin and die for it. You give up that old life and receive my gift of righteousness. That's what happened at the cross. And that's what was sealed with the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That is our righteousness. So he is just and the one who justifies. That is the ultimate demonstration of God's righteousness. His righteousness is ultimately demonstrated in his mercy, in his grace, in his love for us. Hallelujah. Jesus then, he's our only source of righteousness. That's why you can say, I'm a good person. I, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I've never murdered anybody. I haven't robbed a bank. You know, a lot of people think like that. I know in China, that's, that's the way a lot of people thought. You know, me, a sinner? I'm pretty good. God will let me into heaven. No. Jesus is the only way. That's why we all need Jesus. Zadok, can you put that uh, picture of the Chinese characters up there? It's God's love that makes us righteous. And um, some, some people believe, and it seems like there's evidence from Chinese characters that uh, from the time of the Tower of Babel, that's probably when Chinese culture and language started, uh, the, the ancient Chinese knew the true God you know, because it was passed down through Noah. And uh, the character righteousness, that's the complex, the old character before Chairman Mao simplified him. Um, that character for righteousness really is the character for lamb or sheep, yang, on top of the character wa for me. And so it's righteousness is the lamb over me, you know, because, you know, it, it was Old Testament time then, 
but they still they already sacrificed lambs and the sacrifice was a picture of Christ to come right and so me under the lamb under the blood of Jesus that's righteousness uh, notice it's not beside they could have sometimes you know they, they do put characters beside each other to make one character they didn't do that under also uh, describes submission we've got to submit to God you know Jesus is Lord he said why do you why do you call me Lord Lord and you don't do what I say so you know the devil believes in Jesus and so having faith in Jesus is submitting your life to him it's saying it's, it's acknowledging my way was not righteous and, res and will result in punishment and hell forever. I give that up and choose to receive your righteousness and follow your way, Jesus. So it's me under the lamb. So just interesting thing about Chinese, but uh, it's true for us. Does that mean that God doesn't care how we live? Certainly not. Otherwise, Jesus dying on the cross would have been absurd. Never say God doesn't care about sin. We, we might call that cheap grace, and it, it is an idea that's crept into the church in a lot of places today, that sin doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters enough that Jesus died on the cross. Okay? So... So God does care about righteousness. Does he want us to obey him? Sure he does. The grace of God within us through Jesus, though, it's like a fountain. It's an overflowing source of love. We are, when we are born again, we are literally born again. We become a new person. Christ really is in us. God is love, and he's in us, and his love flows out of us naturally. We are changed. We are new creations. It's not just a religious idea. There's a real thing that happens when we are born again. And uh, we've been given new garments of righteousness to wear. So in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul describes, Paul talks a lot about our behavior. And uh, he talks about things that are not becoming of a Christian. Uh, all kinds of sinful behaviors. And then in verse 20, he says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. So there are three steps here. First one, put off your old self. How do you do that? Repent. That's probably the best way to describe it, summarize it. Repent of your old self. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Deceitful means we don't recognize them, right? We're deceived. To, step two, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. How are you made new in the attitude of your minds? Well, one thing that was said to us this morning that's true, to know how he feels about us, to receive that love, to know 
that Jesus loves me, that my Father loves me. My Father God loves me. So to know him better, to know his love for you, like to actually understand it, to have a, a revelation of you, if you will, of how he feels about you, but also to know his ways by reading his word and knowing the truth. Okay, renew your mind in the truth. What is right? What does God say is right and wrong? Look in that mirror. And verse 24, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on the new self. In other words, you've, you've got a new self. Don't be deceived in thinking the old self is the real you. Don't walk around in the old self. Get rid of that. Don't put it back on. Be who you really are. Be your new self. <laughs> be yourself, but be your new self, not your old self. The old self is dead. The new self is alive. But evidently, we have a choice in whether we're identifying with the old self or the new self, even in the Christian life. So, you know, it's a one-time thing. We repent, and we are saved, and we are made new. We're born again, right? But in another sense, it is a daily thing, or more than daily, that we walk, that we need to walk in repentance and faith and believing what Jesus has done for us and who we are in him and walk in that. It's a relationship then, in other words. It's a relationship. It's not a, just a one-time event, but it's a daily relationship walking with Jesus in his righteousness. We have a new covenant with righteous God through the blood of Jesus. Uh, we can take off those filthy garments that were tainted by sinful motives and by failure, put on new ones. Really, we're a new self. The redeemed life is one of constant renewal and regeneration in his righteousness. John 15, 9 to 11. Jesus talks about that. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. How do we walk righteously every day? Abide in his love. It's not our own trying hard. It's abiding in that relationship with him and his love for us. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Can you see that? That love, he wants us to be full of his joy. It's a natural thing. We are not saved by what we do, but when we are born again, it is very natural to be loving and therefore righteous in God's sight. These things are coming out of our lives because he's in us. It is a gift. It's not us. It's not done by us. So it's like the difference between counterfeit money and real money. If we try on our own strength, it's like we're giving people counterfeit money. It's not real. But if we are in Christ, in relationship with him, believing in him, and he is just naturally doing loving deeds and attitudes and thoughts in our lives and overflowing us, that's the real money. <laughs> it's the real thing. Praise the Lord.
So abide in him. God is righteous. He is loving. When we abide in him by faith, we are righteous. Just to summarize, I want to read to you uh, from my journal last week when I was preparing for the message what the Lord spoke. I believe, I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke. He says, it's not might that makes right. It is I who make right. For love makes right, and I am love. Remain then in my love. Apart from me, you can do nothing. For there is no love apart from me, but only selfishness and pride. These, quote, righteous acts are filthy rags in my sight, for their motives are wrong. I have come that you may have life abundantly. There is no fear in love. There is no selfishness in love. There is no pride in love. I love you, and I will make you righteous from the inside out. Remain in my love. Amen. Father, we, we come before you today. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your sacrifice. Our sin did matter. And Lord, we stand before you, the righteous and just judge. You are righteous in your judgments. And we give thanks to you because we see that you, you sent Jesus and Jesus took the punishment for our sins. We thank you for your love. Lord, if there's anybody here today who, who has never repented and given their lives to you, Lord, we just all today, we again reaffirm, we need you, Lord. We do not measure up. We do not look good in the mirror of your law. But you are holy. You are righteous. You are loving. Lord, we turn from our old ways. We put off our old self. Renew us in the attitude of our minds. And Lord, before you, we choose to put on the new self. We thank you for who you are in us. We thank you that we've been born again. We thank you for uh, the righteousness that we have that is in us because you are in us. And we pray that it would overflow and that you yourself would be working to work out change. And it's all by your grace. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. We are the righteousness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>